Well, you know, I really think we will see some candidates dropping out. You know, by tradition, people refer to this part of the presidential campaign, the year before the caucus and primaries, as their quote-unquote invisible primary. Of course, these days it's pretty visible, but this is where candidates try to build up their resources and their name recognition, you know, to, to then contest the caucuses and primaries. And in that process, there's always some winnowing, some candidates that, you know, on paper at least, look like they had a great shot and then, you know, it doesn't work out for them. And I think that's what happened to former Vice President Pence. Um, you know, he had really had to sort of thread the needle. On the one hand, he could appeal to potentially to Trump supporters because he was part of the Trump administration. On the other hand, he could potentially appeal to people who don't particularly care for Trump because, you know, when it came to the whole debate about whether the election was stolen or not, you know, he sort of stood up for tradition. That all looked really good on paper, but it didn't actually work out for him. And I think it was just a little too much to try to do those two things at the same time. John, let, one more question about Pence. Since he is out of the race now, at some point he is going to lend his support to another candidate. Does that mean a lot from the former vice president for him to put his name, his beliefs to another candidate running for that seat? Well, you know, I think if it's somebody other than Donald Trump, it probably makes a, a lot of difference and would be welcome. If it was Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie or Nikki Haley, you know, one of the other candidates that's still very much in the mix, because not only would it come the endorsement of Pence, who's a well-known figure, of course, in Republican politics, but bring his donors, his activists, his supporters, and maybe some of his former uh, campaign staff. So, yeah, I mean, he, he still has a role to play in the nomination. Now, with Donald Trump, it probably doesn't matter because people are either for Trump or against Trump these days. And uh, so, you know, endorsements are less important for him. With us is Dr. John Green, professor of political science, University of Akron. John, you mentioned Trump, GOP race as we look at 2024. Are polls still saying way out in favor of a Donald Trump? Yeah, they, they really do. And, um, you know, the, the national polls show that, but more importantly, the polls in the key states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and so forth. Now, in some of those states, it's closer than the national polls show. But uh, Trump is still, you know, the guy to beat. He's still far ahead. Now, the, the view of many people who are critical of Trump is that if, when the field winnows down to just one or two people, you know, somebody is going to be number two to Trump uh, if Trump's lead holds. And that they believe, and this has happened in the past, that changes the dynamic. And if it gets down to Trump versus one other candidate, then maybe things will change. But for the moment, the race is static. John, have you and you've been in the political arena for most of your life. Have you ever seen anything like this to compare to? with the Trump train where no matter what he does or says or some of the past things or legally, whatever happens, it really doesn't wane in his support. And as a matter of fact, sometimes it grows. And this is, I don't know if I've seen anything like this before. And, and whether you're for Donald Trump or against Donald Trump, but certainly his supporters are as loyal as you will ever find. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, I do know of examples and have seen examples of candidates that had a really loyal base. 
but not with the kind of controversy surrounding those candidates. And I think that's the really, to me, the really interesting thing. You know, Donald Trump, whether you like him or don't, I mean, he certainly has, along with his many strengths, he has a lot of liabilities. And any one of those liabilities historically would have sunk a candidacy for a major party nomination. And as you say, he seems to even grow stronger in some cases when those controversies are aired. With us is Dr. John Green, professor of political science at the University of Akron. Let's go to the other ticket. And President Joe Biden internationally, I think, has had a successful run the last year and a half. But does he have full support going forward in 2024 from his party in a reelection campaign? Well, you know, I think that uh, President Biden is still very much the favorite of uh, Democrats. Um, you know, he, his situation is not exactly like Trump's, but he's clearly the favorite of the party insiders. Um, some of them because they really believe in him. Some of them support him because they think he's the guy who can beat Trump, right, in, in uh, 2024. Um, but, but he does face some headwinds. Um, you know, some of the economic problems are, are bedeviling his campaign. Of course, all these questions about his age. And, you know, the, the foreign policy experience, I think, helps him. And the current crises we're facing in the Middle East and in Ukraine and with China and so forth really plays to uh, President Biden's strengths. And I think that helps him. But it's not without controversy. After all, even among the Democratic activist core, there are some disagreements about um, Biden's positions on these wars around the world. So, um, you know, I think at the moment, uh, Biden is... We have to say the presumptive Democratic nominee, but he does face some serious headlines. John, when you look at uh, 2024, and you and I have talked about this for over 20 years, you have the the one-third that is pro-D, the one-third that's pro-R. It's that middle third that a lot of times will determine the race, and that's where Joe Biden has to convince many people he's not too old, and that's where Donald Trump has to convert uh, convince that middle third that forget everything else that you hear. I am the right guy. It's that middle third that's going to determine. What are you hearing? What are polls saying about that middle third? Well, the uh, the independents, uh, the, you know, the, the people in that middle third, are a pretty unhappy bunch right now. You know, in poll after poll, we see that they don't really like the idea of a Trump-Biden rematch. You know, some of them, you know, lean one way or the other, but they're not happy about it. And, and both candidates have a lot of work to do you know, assuming they get their party's nominations, to woo that middle of the electorate and convince them that, you know, they're the better choice. And, of course, it looks like we're going to have some significant um, minor party and independent candidates. Some of those candidates might draw, draw more from Trump, some more from Biden. But where they draw is going to be from that middle, right, those people who are just dissatisfied with the process and the candidates that are before them. So both candidates, assuming they, you know, present trends continue and they become their party's presidential nominees, they have a lot of work for those people who actually determine the outcome of the election. John, do you expect or do you foresee any of that mess from the GOP getting their next House Speaker in line? Does something like that carry over into a presidential campaign election? You know, it can very much because, you know, the, the that messy process of choosing a speaker and, you know, it's 
it's over for the moment. They have the speaker, but who knows what will happen next? Because, you know, a lot of the underlying problems, divisions among the Republicans are still there. You know, that could hurt the party brand. You know, there may be people, including not a few Republicans, who will look at this and say, gee, you know, we're the gang that can't shoot straight, right? And so Mm -hmm. there could be a spillover in in the presidential election. I think the more likely thing is that it'll have a spillover in the congressional elections. And we have to remember that every member of the House stands for election every two years. So the House will be up for grabs next year in 2024, along with the presidency and, of course, one-third of the Senate. So there are um, very direct implications for what happened in Congress about the speaker for those elections. 